podcast for a uh, Friday, the end of the week, the Bob McCown podcast, yours truly, along with the uh, usual suspect, John Shannon, in the uh, lower part of the screen today. Usually you're beside me as opposed to... Well, on my screen, I'm beside you. Oh, are you? Oh, well, on my, on my screen, you're below me. So uh, wherever you're watching, try and identify him. Um, I was going to try and come up with some definitive description of what they should be looking for, but I... I can't come up with Well, I'm, so. I'm wearing my Nick Nurse glasses today. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say he's got glasses on, but so does Cooper. And I was going to say his facial hair, but everybody on the screens have facial hair. So there's no <laughs> way to tell us apart, apparently. Um, uh, with us, um, the play-by-play uh, -play voice, uh, radio voice of the uh, Toronto Raptors, uh, Eric Smith, and the chairman of Basketball Canada, among other things, Brian Cooper. And the subject is the uh, Toronto Raptors and what they do over the next few weeks to prepare for yet another season and, and i'm not we, we may get into the geography of where they decide to play their home games but really i'm more interested in guys in the roster uh today uh this has obviously been a very good team a championship team from two years ago a team that um, made the playoffs and you know came within a game of uh Maybe going, maybe winning another championship. Who knows? But that didn't happen. And now there are decisions to be made. Um, among the keys, Marc Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, all free agents. Um, and there are players available to them as free agents. And there's the Giannis story. Um, and are the Raptors trying to prepare for the possibility of Giannis arriving? E to you first. Um, is it safe to say that Gasol will not be a member of the Raptors next year? Um, I, I think that's probably a safe assumption, Bobcat. But the only thing I would, I would give as a bit of a caveat to that is I wonder if he becomes a bit of a cheaper option if there ends up being more suitors for Serge Ibaka. Because I, I think we all would agree, I think, that if you take those three guys that you mentioned as the free agents – if you rank them in order of importance, Fred Van Vliet's at the top of the list sure. with Serge Ibaka second, Marc Gasol third. And that's no disrespect intended to, to Gasol or Ibaka, but I think it's imperative that the Raptors do their utmost to try and bring back Van Vliet. But I don't think it's a complete wash where it's easy to just say, well, let's not think about Ibaka or Gasol, because if you don't have either one of those guys back, you have an extremely thin front court, a very thin front court, uh, literally and uh, figuratively, if you don't have at least one of those two guys back. So then you need to go address it elsewhere via trade or free agency. And then suddenly now you're trying to do plug and play with certain guys that don't know your system, don't know your team. So I think that you, you would like to have at least one of those two guys back, but can you have enough money uh, for not just those two players, whomever those two are, but then also other guys to fill out and complement your roster. You might not have enough if you bring back both Van Vliet and Ibaka, who would cost you the most of those threesome of guys that we're talking about? Do we know that all three? Do we know that all three want to come back? Uh, I believe that uh, all three would come back, uh, John. But I think that all three are certainly willing to listen to other teams. I don't think that yeah. they're. I don't think we're talking hometown discount here. I think at this point, especially when we factor in the pandemic and the lower uh, salary cap, and thus the the less amount of money that's going around for these guys, I think that certainly there's there's the opportunity to cash in. Uh, with the team that can pay you the most, no matter who you are. And I think Fred Van Vliet made that uh, uh, really clear yesterday in a podcast that he was on, uh, saying that he's just looking for fair pay uh, for uh, and the right position and the right fit. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, the assumption is that Ibaka, who makes in the low mid twenties, um, would resign for an amount similar to that. Everybody agree that that's probably where he, we're yeah. at. I, I think so. Um, and and then the interesting thing, as I say, then Bobcat will be how much does Fred Van Vliet cost you? Assuming that you know, as we all again, I think agree that if he's at the top of your list, he's going to have to make at least twenty million dollars, if not closer to twenty five. And does that push you out of range to have the wiggle room to be able to bring back a Baca, but then also still set yourself up for the financial flexibility that you want a year from now when you're hoping to enter the sweepstakes for not just Giannis, but a lot of other big name free agents. Uh, and I, I think that's what's going on is that they're not just planning for the season going forward. They're planning for the next three seasons. And so, you know, there's a lot of conjecture there as to what will play out and you may be saving money for no cause. Uh, and then throwing away this season. It's, it's, it's a difficult position. But, you know, the other thing, I wouldn't put it past them for a, a major lineup change. Uh, and, you know, they've done it before and they've done it successfully, obviously. If, if they were willing to get rid of DeMar at, at that point, uh, you know, I wouldn't put anything past them at this point. You know, the, uh, that, Brian, that's a really good point because I think when you look at what uh, both the Bobby and Masai, particularly Masai, are known for, is, you know, to, to, you know, they're going to have to make hard business decisions. And they have one goal. It's not necessary to pay the players properly, but it's to win championships. And, you know, good, good sports executives make tough decisions and make decisions in the best interest of the team as opposed to the best in, uh, of the guy they like or the guy that is the short-term fix. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this team, and I'm not suggesting blow it up, but I wouldn't be surprised to see this team uh, take a year to figure out what it needs to do in order to try to be in a better place when we're back to normal, if that's a way to put it. Well, and you know, this season, if, if, if things pan out the way they are, they're not going to be getting ticket revenue, uh, which is probably your the, the normal formula is, Ticket revenue is about 50% of your total revenue, then broadcast 25, and then food and beverage and merchandising and sponsorship of the other 25. Uh, if, if it goes down to Tampa, no matter what the deal or wherever they go, they're going to be losing a, a good portion of the revenue that they normally have. Uh, so, you know, this may be the year to swallow that. Right. Um, and, and, and swallow that loss and, and, and have an offseason almost. Yeah, I don't think there's any, I, there's no question in my mind that they're prepared to do that, Brian. Um, this organization, MLSE specifically, has um, so shown repeatedly that they're, you know, they're willing to spend. And maybe there's a difference between limiting your profits and um, allowing for significant losses, but I don't think so. I, I, I think they'll do what they think they have to do. Don't you? I think they're talking about limiting their losses. I think, you know... They're By the way, Brian, isn't, a, any, isn't everybody? Isn't everybody? <laughs> yeah, exa exactly. I mean, you know, but they, they went from, you know, making close to a couple hundred million dollars as a combined organization to losing, uh, you know, over a hundred million dollars as a combined organization. And so, Bob, I, you know, I don't know how, I, I know they're focused and concerned about winning and money's no object. That was when you had that that revenue coming in. I guess you want to, yeah. yeah, you want to mitigate your losses in this year, and that 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 may be the reason that they they don't go after 
uh, Ibaka and Fred at the same time and have no wiggle room for Giannis in the future. Hey, I, I, Eric, I got a, qu- I got a question about uh, Van Vliet. I mean, when you consider this is, this is storybook stuff when you think about it. You know, coming out of Wichita State, you know, and, and not being drafted. And here he is. He's going to make $20 million a year. Um, you're, you, you've seen him up close. Um, what, what, has, what changed? And everybody talks about the kid being born uh, <laughs> during, during the playoff run. Yeah. Everybody talks about all this stuff. But and, two things. What does he do for this backcourt? And is he really worth $20 million when you think about it? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, John, it, it, the one thing I can say, and granted, he doesn't have the 20 or $25 million yet, but I haven't no, seen No, but he ch- will get some, no, oh, Somebody will pay him. Somebody 100%. will pay him. No, my point was going to be, though, I haven't seen a change in him yet as a person, which is certainly a good thing. And I don't anticipate, based on what I know of him, based on what I know of his personality and what he's like as a man even away from the court, I don't know that he's a guy that suddenly becomes a different person simply because he's got the big paycheck. I think what really stands out, and I know it sort of sounds cliche, but the leadership qualities and the the um, the ownership of the team uh, that he seems to take uh, at a really a young age and within just even this role that's kind of evolved only in a year and a half. He might be four years in, but this true role of stepping forward into the spotlight and being a regular starter and being looked at as this leader I'm talking about has really only evolved in the last year and a half. And I think when we kind of rewind to about, what, two years ago roughly, you had Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and DeLon Wright who a lot of people believed could be a starter in this league and ended up cashing in on a, on a big contract last year with the Dallas Mavericks. Suddenly now, I think if you're the Toronto Raptors, you're in a position where if you don't sign Fred Van Vliet at the end of this coming season or before, you have nothing of those three guys. You could be without Lowry, without Van Vliet, without DeLon Wright. Where does your team go? What does your team look like? As Brian said a year from now, well, now you have a major thing to address because you don't have a quarterback for your team yet you've still got Pascal Siakam now kicking in with his big contract that starts this year, and you're trying to move forward by, by not having this guy uh, on your books making a ton of money but nobody around him. So I, I think you have to pay Fred Van Vliet. And to your question of is he worth it, I think he's proven that he's worth it right now. I think he's proven that he can be a Lowry-esque type player that's smaller in stature, but he's a hell of a defender. He's not afraid to take the big shot. He can spread the floor. He's tough. And I think, he, again, he's got that leadership quality that you're looking for both on the floor and off the floor, even within your community and all that stuff. I think he's an important piece to this. I think we all and agree. I, I mean, I, the, you know, Van Vliet is a no-brainer, and it would be shocking if uh, the Raptors didn't do everything they can to sign him. Whether that's possible or not remains to be seen. That Fred will make that decision. I agree also on Marc Gasol. You know, if you can get him at, at a, a real good price, maybe. Which leaves us with Serge Ibaka. If you, we know that there is interest uh, elsewhere in Ibaka, as well there should be. I mean, the Lakers are among the teams that have expressed some interest, allegedly, in Ibaka. But are there players you could go and get, either through free agency or trade, to fill in that hole? Let's assume, you know, you lose your two big guys, Gasol and Ibaka. I assume we all agree that neither Boucher nor Hernandez are good enough to be blunt is that fair ryan i don't first of all i don't think they block up the middle uh like either one of those guys uh i don't, I don't think they have the rebounding talent as well uh and and yeah i think that's fair to say uh 
Just back to one second, Von Van Vliet. The value that he provides, I think, is uh, shown by the trust that uh, Nick Nurse has in, in him in the most key situations, that he keeps him in, that he, he wants the ball in his hand, that you know he trusts that he can control the team. Big guys, no matter what the situation is. I think, so you, to your point, it's a no-brainer that they have to keep him. Well, I agree. That's, all, that's all I'm saying, yeah. I, I, don't yeah. Even think there's, I don't even think there's a conversation here. There's not a discussion. There certainly isn't an argument. Fred Vliet is at the top of the priority list. Right. There's no replacement within the organization right now no. for Ibaka. And so, you know, those guys are developing, uh, but there's no replacement. So they're going to have to go to the market. All right. Uh, so let's talk about a, a few guys that might, and it may be a stretch, but theoretically um, be, you could bring in. Let's start with Tristan Thompson. You know, uh, he, he has been linked to the Toronto Raptors, at least theoretically, for almost since he got into the NBA. Um, he is a different kind of player, obviously. Um, a very good rebounder, cert most certainly. Um, can't score with Ibaka. But is he a good fit? Eric, to you? I think he is a good fit. Um, and I wonder, now granted, even as I say this, Bob, this theory could sort of uh, fly back in my face and you could use the exact same theory to say, well, then maybe Fred Van Vliet decides to go elsewhere, especially if he can cash in or Serge Ibaka. But I was going to say, I wonder if it matters to him the opportunity to come home, to be playing at home, to still play for a winner, but also know that, not that I'm conceding that I won't win a championship, you still might have a chance to win a championship here with this Raptors team and with the East being kind of open in the sense that there are so many good teams but you've already won your title. So you're not title chasing. You're not ring chasing, trying to maybe take uh, more of a discount, a, a heavy discount to go join a Lakers team or Clippers or whomever it may be because you've got that title. So is this a chance to now go put that Raptor jersey on and come back home? And, oh, yeah, by the way, I still have value and can bring something to this team. And I think the fact that he doesn't score much doesn't really hurt you on this team you have enough scoring. What you need is the shot blocking, the rebounding, the edge, the leadership, the, the, the tenacity that he has on the floor. And that could be a perfect fit for what the Raptors are looking for. You don't, you don't think the game has changed enough that you need a big man to be able to shoot from the outside. I mean, the world, this whole, this whole NBA is, you know, a seven footer from three. Yeah. I mean, who, spreads who, the defense who's that? Without who, a doubt who's that, who's that going to be? I mean, that's where Gasol played, you know, played his cards well. Some Ibaka maybe not so well. But, I mean, wh who's going to be that guy on this club then? As, as far as bigs, John? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't I, – listen, if Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol aren't back, I don't know if that player exists. I mean, that player exists perhaps in the second unit giving you, you know, 15 minutes a night in Chris Boucher. But I don't think he's a guy that suddenly is going to play 28, 35 minutes a night for you. So as it stands, without a Bach and Gasol, that guy doesn't exist. I mean, the best guy available to fill that role probably is a guy that, that isn't on your radar because, again, it would cost you too much uh, and not give you the flexibility you want, and that's Danilo Gallinari. To have a big man that can shoot like that that is also still a pretty good rebounder, but I would consider him probably in the top five uh, in terms of free agents that are available in this offseason. So I don't know that the Raptors are suddenly throwing their hat into that ring and going after Gallinari, but he's the one that sort of best fits that mold you're speaking of. Well, hold on. You know, let me throw a couple of other names out, and they are not exactly perfect fits, and they would, and you know, there are these these are moves that would have to be made. What about Montrezl Harrell? 
Um, he's not exactly a stereotypical center. I mean, I've seen him listed at 6'8", and I've also seen him listed at 6'7". And we also know in the NBA today, that wouldn't be an unusual height for a guard. Forget a center. Um, so, but the guy can score without question. And what about Victor Oladipo, who played sparingly this past season, but allegedly is unhappy in Indiana and seeking an out? Um, are these guys that the Raptors could or should consider? Brian, to you. Oladipo is going to cost you a lot. And again, uh, is not going to give you the wiggle room for the future, no matter what. Uh, obviously, he's one of the uh, top uh, you, uh, free agents of people. And he's made it abundantly clear he wants out. Uh, he's got the scoring. I don't think he's got the you know, blocking up the middle, the big men, uh, 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 muscle and tenacity that you need underneath. E? You know, I, I say this, Bob. When I think of a guy like Montrez Harrell, uh, as good as he is and, and just winning sixth man of the year, which I'm sure is going to, obviously, if I'm his agent, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that's, that's part of the negotiation now. His, his price just went up a little bit higher because he's got some hardware in his trophy case. But as you said, he's a heck of a defender, and he's only 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, well, don't you have one of those guys right now in OG Ananobi. Right. Now, I don't know if OG Ananobi can ultimately be Montrez Harrell or not, or if he already is. Could you That's convert? Point. Could you convert well, OG wait, into oh. that type of guy? I'm not saying he's going to be your starting five, but could he be a guy that is more of that type of player? And he's certainly not costing you as much right now. And could he kind of fill that role without costing you the same that Montrez Harrell would? Look, I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to quantify the significance of this. But Montrez Harrell, I think, averaged close to 19 points a game coming off the bench this year. OG Ananobi is nowhere near that. Nowhere near that. And maybe he can continue to develop into that guy. But right now, he's not that guy. But, but was he given this? He wasn't given the same amount of minutes. He wasn't put in those positions, was he, Bob? Ananobi? Yeah. Do you think he was? Oh, Ananobi got in that, minutes. In that offense, you think he was put in those positions? Ananobi got minutes this year. And look, I'm not, I, I, I'm not down on, on OG. I, you know, I love the guy. I love what he does, but he doesn't bring you 19 points per game. And personally, if you ask me, I don't think he's likely to do that, especially in a rap in the, the Raptor offense the way it is right now. So the only I, thing I would say to that, Bob, is if you don't have a Gasol, if you don't right. have an Ibaka, if you don't have a Van Vliet, suddenly your offense changes, the hierarchy changes. I mean, last year, oh, yeah. clearly OG Ananobi, when he was on the floor, almost every time is at least your fourth option, if not your fifth right. option offensively. That, that's my point. That's my point, Eric. I mean, he, when, when you looked where the ball was going, it wasn't going to Ananobi for the finish. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, I mean. Although he had a pretty good I, finish. I, well, that, he, yeah. did one, one, <laughs> he did one game, didn't he? Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, if every game was broken down to half seconds, I mean, Ananobi's the guy you want. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's, right. let's get to the elephant in the room, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. The assumption is that there's a relationship between the president of the Toronto Raptors and this player, and I'm not here to tell you that there isn't. But is it fool's gold to construct your roster this year only to provide the option, the opportunity to perhaps get this player, as unique as he is. I mean, what you really do not want to do is cut off your nose to spite your face. And if the Raptors construct their 
their financial situation for Giannis and Giannis doesn't come, then what? Brian? I, I go back to the point that uh, I think any good GM and team president are looking two to three years out. And if there was any year in which to do that, uh, where you had to make the sacrifice this year uh, and fool's gold or not, uh, it's worth it. And I also think, you know, we talk about the magic of Masai. Um, and he's built an international team. Uh, and this would be just an, uh, going along the same line of players from uh, countries other than the U.S. combined with U.S. players for this international field in an international city. And so for me, that all feels very similar to what he's done from the beginning. But you still need Giannis. He, you know, you so I'm saying Giannis to Giannis. say yes. I'm saying Giannis, yes. I'm saying he, getting he has to want to come to Toronto. Well, yeah. But you know, I'm saying that, that narrative of what he's done in the past. Oh, I get uh, it. Could be very convincing to a player Maybe. like Giannis. Maybe. You know, it's, you it's the third largest city in North America. He's, he's going to a, a major market. And the championships changed, and it, and the championship, Brian, changed right. everyone's attitude about wanting to play. Oh, Canada is right. not that that strange place to play anymore. And we had that from day one. I remember Glenn Grunwald putting together a package of whether it was the taxes related to it, whether there was the security going through airports. We had to do all of these things. I think that's gone away. I, I think there's definite intrigue for for Antetokounmpo coming here, but I think that the longer this goes on. Uh, you know, how, how many other teams uh, are lining up to, 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 to put their package together to, to move the guy? I mean, I every team lying. in the league, all. every team in the league, obviously. So, it, you know, Bob, I, I would say the best answer that I could give to that would be you have to do that. You have to put yourself in position because, listen, at the end of the day, you know, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, they're likely not coming north of the border to play for the Raptors. But Giannis isn't the only free agent in 2021. Those are three of the guys I just mentioned. Now, those are player options. But Chris Paul and Rudy Gobert, let alone Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan and Mike Conley and, and Victor Oladipo and Andre Drummond. I mean, we're talking 10, 15, 20 guys that are, that are notable free agents in the summer of 2021. So I think every team in the league right now is trying to make their decisions right now in the middle of a pandemic to not just set themselves up for 2020 and the bizarro world that it's going to be, but more so we want to win now. We want to be competitive now, but we need to be still flexible next summer. So this isn't just mm -hmm. unique to the Raptors. Every team in the league, I think is going to do that. There's going to be few teams, if any, that kind of blow it all right now and have right. nothing left for next summer. Everybody's right. going to be setting up for trying to do something significant next year. Do you think I mean, if, the, I, does, I mean, if you, there's grab, be... if you grab Giannis's brother, <laughs> in a trade and then yeah. next season start talking to him about coming here eric does that does that mean that that uh as we get closer to the 22nd of december and guys aren't signed um we're gonna see prices drop and guys think, take short-term yeah. deals i think so i think we might see that even out of the gate uh, john I, I mean i don't know about a guy like fred van vliet but i think uh you know once you get past that first tier and i don't know what the cutoff is but once you get past that first tier of guys, whomever they are, I think you could see players, especially guys that have already maybe had one contract, even if it wasn't a massive, massive contract. But if they've already signed an extension, they've made some decent money, 
I mean, I, I'll bow to the expertise of, of, of you guys as well and, 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 and Brian's background and everything as well. But I would say if I were an agent right now, I would be advising my client, let's sign a short-term deal maybe. Let's sign the one year. Because the other thing too is the amount of money available because of the BRI coming down and the, the lost revenue, everything else, there's not as much in the kitty. So you know what? Let's take a one-year deal and then throw our hat into the ring next year when everything's supposed to go up and general managers and presidents are just going to be throwing money wildly. It's going to be a bonanza next year. So I'd, I'd, I'd run the risk of, of signing that one-year deal to hopefully then cash in next summer. Might depend on how old the guy is. Exactly. That, the yeah. age, well, age, age is the factor there. Right? Always. I mean, well, no, it's how much money you got in the bank. If you're 31 years old and you're a free agent, you, sure. can, you, can, you can take the risk for a one-year deal. Yeah, sure. Tread water. Like All right, you, so Bob. let's go down a road that I've not, I've not heard anybody really discuss, and not, I certainly haven't. You get Antetokounmpo. You're certainly interested. Everybody's interested. He decides to come to Toronto. Who does he replace? Who does he, re who does he play instead of with the Toronto Raptors? Who's what that guy who you get rid of or you, put to, you have to send to the bench in the starting five for Giannis? I think that's what I would call a positive problem, Bob. I, 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 well, I'm not saying it isn't a positive well, problem. But listen, I wouldn't, guy. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have any problem personally rolling out Pascal Siakam and Giannis Antetokounmpo as my four and five, five and four. <laughs> I don't care what you, you, you pick your position. I'm good with you two being my front court sure. right now, and I'll fill out the rest. And, you know, by yeah. the way, I, I, Ibaka did some of his best work as sixth man. You, 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 Ibaka yeah. coming off the bench would not be a problem. Very much so. Well, but I, the reason I ask this is because it impacts, you know, that thought process impacts who you might be willing to get rid of or not sign this year. If we assume it's probably not going to be Gasol, are you okay with Ibaka leaving under the premise that essentially Ibaka, Gasol's spot in the, in the lineup is taken over by Giannis? It doesn't matter whether they're center or not center or whatever. We all get that. Positions, maybe other than point guard, don't really matter anymore in the NBA. But is that not how you see it uh, unfolding? Either one of you. E, Brian? It goes back to you're rolling the dice again. Uh, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm with Eric. You know, you, you replace Giannis with whoever he wants to, whatever position he wants to be playing in, other than Van Vliet. Uh, we're good. Uh, but you're rolling the dice if you do that. You know, I think right. we even saw this year, Bob, and, and I agree with what you said, uh, and anybody other than the point guard. But I think even in today's NBA, as you know, John mentioned earlier, you want guys that can shoot, the bigs that can shoot and spread the floor, and you've got to be these, you know, multi-tool, multi-faceted players. I think that includes ball handling. We even saw it with the Raptors this year where there's times where Pascal Siakam is bringing the ball up the court and he's initiating the offense. And You've got Van, v Van Vliet then playing off the ball or Lowry off the ball. We've seen, uh, you know, uh, Norm Powell in a, in, a, in a pinch being your actual point guard or simply just running the offense. I think that, you know, and he's an interesting guy to talk about with this team. And I'm never one to, to create the fantasy trades. I hate going down that road and everything. But if you're looking for financial wiggle room with this team, uh, you know, you wonder, is there a fit for a guy like a Norm Powell? Because... Mm -hmm. If you keep him, which I think would be great, and I think he certainly has shown his value, especially this past season, you're getting to a point where you got too many good guys. You're going to have to re-up Norm Powell on his contract that's going to be expiring soon. And, and it was, what, four years? At a, I believe around $48 million. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to have to 
um, extend and give the next contract to OG Ananobi. Well, now you've already locked in Pascal Siakam. Now you're hoping to lock in Fred Van Vliet. A lot of these guys now, you can't keep them all and then still have flexibility. So you maybe have to, to Brian's point earlier, of projecting, you know, two, three years down the road, you might have to say, this is a guy that we, you know, and again, whether it's Norm or somebody else, this is a guy that we cut in order to have wiggle room now, but then also next year in the future, et cetera. And that, those, I think, are some of the harder decisions that are coming too. And, and, and you know what, to Brian's point earlier, with nobody sitting in the seats at Scotiabank, this might be the year to be thinking about, you know, lowballing and, and, and being cost certain as opposed to, you know, spending big, big money. This might be the way to do it. This uh, might just- be the year. Uh, you know, a million things go through your head when we're having these discussions. And it's like trying to put a jigsaw puzzle together where there's where the pieces don't have any pictures. You know, you really don't know. Right. But is it safe to assume that if, if the Toronto Raptors got Giannis, they can't afford Lowry and Siakam, and therefore they would keep Siakam? Is that a given? E? As long as Fred Van Vliet's still in the mix. Because... <laughs> Because otherwise that opens right, up another can of worms. Because yeah, if we're here a year from now, you you didn't or weren't able to re-sign Fred Van Vliet in the summer or whatever this is now, fall, almost winter of 2020. If you weren't able to sign Fred Van Vliet, well then, first of all, going into this season, who's your backup point guard to Kyle Lowry? But then next summer when Lowry's a free agent, well, yeah, it's it's easy to say, oh, right. we, we've got Giannis and we can't afford Kyle and he's, you know, you know mid to late 30s and da 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 Well, hold on a second. Who's your point guard then? So you've got to figure that out. That's why I think it is, not to reverse your question, Bob, but it's imperative, I think, that you bring back Fred Van Vliet because it really does kind of change. We all agree. It, it, but it, and to that point, doesn't that affect who the Raptors take in the draft? I mean, it very well could, yeah. absolutely. Isn't that, I mean, are we talking a kid like uh, the kid out of Arizona, Nico Mannion or somebody like that who can, can fit in? He's a good ball hander, 6'3". I mean, he's the type of guy that this team might need for a couple of years. And he's not going to be as expensive. Yeah, I think this team, especially over the last few years, John has, has often drafted with the mentality, I believe at least, of best player available and not trying to lock in a position. But I think your point is, is, is bang on, that uh, with the position right now thin or at least potentially thin, uh, I think there is a need for a security blanket. So if it doesn't come via the draft, then there needs to be that, that young-ish point guard out there in free agency or trade, someone that you think that you can sort of peg as, mm-hmm. well, we'll groom him in our system then. Because that, it definitely is a, a potentially uh, thin spot for the Raptors if things don't shake out the way that they're uh, hoping. Uh, we've all been involved in conversations like this many times in the past and undoubtedly will be uh, many times in the future. And uh, the result of this conversation is about the same as all those in the past and probably in the future, <laughs> and that is, None of us know what the hell's going on. <laughs> uh, and um, and, and, the, and it, it's quite probable, in fact, that the Raptors' management, while they have a direction they want to go, they're not sure if they can actually go that direction. So uh, at the end of the day, we all sit and wait uh, at least a couple or three weeks before training camp starts, and then um, a little over a month before the season begins, we believe. And we will see who, uh, who pulls on a uh, Raptors undershirt uh, to uh, start the season. I'm looking forward to cheering for the Tampa Bay Raptors. I really am. I'm uh, looking forward to cheering for yeah. this Tampa Bay Raptors. Hey, one of Brian's yeah. old employees running that place down there, Steve uh, Griggs. I, I, yeah, I spoke with him yesterday. We the South. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, Coop, great to see you. E, thanks so much. It's nice to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, great seeing hopefully you. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do this again, guys. Thank you. Thanks, thanks guys. Uh, if you're watching or listening, have yourselves a swell weekend. We'll catch you Monday if the crick don't rise. Goodbye from Toronto. <laughs>